Hey there, this is Jonathan. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm grateful for another opportunity to present to you a Bible conversation. And we're in the middle of a conversation with Brother Jared Wilson. Now, Jared brought a Bible study from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 about Christ the Rock. We started getting into it. A lot of what we talked about last time was Jared's trip to Cambodia. He joined me on a brief trip in August, and so we spent a lot of time talking about that. I encourage you, if you haven't listened to that part of the conversation, go back and listen to the previous episode, and then come back to this one. And for those who've already listened and are ready, let's jump back into the conversation, shall we? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you next was uh, in verse 4, chapter 1 Corinthians 10, verse 4, they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So the New Testament is revealing something about this Old Testament story, that the, the rock is Jesus. Now, in the Old Testament, when I'm reading through Exodus, I may not see Jesus yet. So I needed the New Testament to to reveal it for me. But kind of knowing that, you know, now that the New Testament's revealed it, what are some, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe there's other scriptures, maybe there's some signs or clues or something. What what can help me understand that the Exodus 17 rock uh, is Christ-like? Sure. like Because it, it says here, you know, they all drank that rock before that rock was Christ. Well, rock, Christ was not a, that literal rock that's being referred to. But Jesus over and over is referred to as a rock uh, throughout the Bible. You know, um, again, in the Old Testament, in Psalm 18 and verse 2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Over and over, the Lord is called the rock of salvation in uh, Psalms and Deuteronomy. And Christ is mentioned as the rock that's the foundation of the church. In Matthew 16 and 18, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11, Ephesians 2, verses 2, 20 through 22. Over and over, you see that uh, mention of Christ being the rock. So we learn in the Old Testament that it's just a shadow or type. And so since that's the case, we need to see an example of Christ being struck or Christ being uh, hit like that rock was that Paul's referring to in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Yeah, I like the the verbiage. Like, where can we find that Christ is struck? And uh, it may not look identical as far as uh, with a rod like the rock was in Exodus 17, but there is a scripture that you bring up in the study, uh, Zechariah 13, where uh, the verbiage is, is quite identical, that, that strike the shepherd and the, the flock will scatter. Uh, what's going on there? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a powerful um, connection, I think. Zechariah 13 and verse 7, and especially since this, whenever the Bible draws the connection for us, that's what's uh, clear cut and easy to see. Because in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 31, Jesus quotes that passage and applies it to himself. And he says, after he instituted the Lord's Supper, he's about to be, uh, betray be betrayed and led away. 
He tells his disciples, all of you are going to be made to stumble. All of you are going to deny me. And then he quotes Zechariah 13 and verse 7, which says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. So Christ is clearly mm-hmm. talking about his upcoming sacrifice on the cross. And um, over and over, the Bible really describes the death of Christ as a bruising or a blow uh, that he endured. Um, and Isaiah 53 and verse 5 is a, a prophecy about uh, Jesus and what he endured on the cross. And it says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Mm-hmm. And that again is talking about what Christ endured, that blow or that strike that he uh, took for us. And um, and that's what's right. being referred to as the rock being struck. Well, Christ was the rock for us, and he was struck at, through his death on the cross. Now, the the example of of um, Jesus being struck, there's actually a kind of a literal fulfillment, too. Um, I hadn't made this connection until you, you brought it out in your study, but uh, tell us about in John 19, when Jesus is on the cross, how uh, his striking, or I don't know what tense we, we, we use, when, when he was struck, how about that? When he was struck, there was a flow in, in kind of connecting it back to the rock, that whenever the rock was struck, water flowed, and so was Christ on the cross. What, what, what happens in John 19? Yeah, and I, John 19 is another passage, I think, that um, helps clarify and uh, I think affirm what's being taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Is, um, in John 19 and verse 34, it gives this scene as Jesus was on the cross. It says, But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And so there was literal water there at the cross, even after Jesus was crucified. You know, and um, that's and I, I make this note in the study. You know, we sing that old song, "Rock of Ages," and uh, that song echoes the events that we're studying here in First Corinthians chapter ten. A rock of Ages is not just talking about some random rock. That's talking about the rock of Christ. And even in that verse it says, "Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in Thee. Let the water and the blood from Thy wounded side which flowed." Be of sin the double cure, save from wrath and make me pure. The rock of the rock of ages is Jesus, and that's something that's interesting also is uh, in Exodus seventeen. The, what Edmund Clowney did a good job pulling out the book that was kind of a aha moment for me was where God told Moses, "Go to the rock," and He says, "I will stand before you." It's interesting that God says, I will stand before you on the rock. And there's a, a pretty good quote where Edmund Clowney, I use that in the study. He says, the God who is the rock of Israel is the Savior, the God of mercy, who bears his own judgment for the sin of his people. The people cried out in accusation of belief, is the Lord among us or not? Yes, the Lord was among them, among them in a way they could not have imagined. There he stood upon the rock, not among them, but in their place, bearing their condemnation. Before God gave his covenant at Sinai, he pledged his presence at Calvary. 
And I thought that was a, an excellent quote. And that's kind of what's going on there. The people were the ones that were doing the wrong. They were the ones complaining against God, complaining against Moses. But God gave them an out and said, go to the rock and it will bear it. And I will stand before you, strike the rock. And that's what happened with Christ. He didn't do anything that deserved the death on the cross. It was us. It was for our transgressions, but yet he stood in our place. Now, this would be a beautiful uh, type anti-type or a shadow fulfillment, shadow substance, if this was it. But there's there's actually a little bit more to it, Jesus being the rock. So we've, we've kind of focused for a time on uh, striking the rock. But in the same way that water flowed from the rock, and, and yes, we did make a connection, John 19, when Jesus was struck, water and blood flowed out. But there's also, uh, you know, in, in 1 Corinthians 10, it talks about that spiritual drink. Mm-hmm. And so uh, can you help us understand, you know, what is this spiritual drink? What is this water that, that flows from Jesus in a spiritual sense that, uh, helps us in a way like, like the water helped them. Yeah, and that's, that's a good point that um, we also see, you know, in the Gospels that helps us, you know, pull all this together. In John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, this is uh, Jesus speaking to the woman at the well, uh, is uh, the story, the context of it. Jesus told her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, talking about physical water. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The gospel of Jesus Christ is our water source, you could say. It's our spiritual water that we get to drink from that uh, can give us eternal life. And then also in uh, John chapter 7, verses 37 through 38, it says, On the last day, That great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And so over and over, even Jesus in his uh, earthly ministry talked about the life-giving water that he could give to others. And it was that spiritual water, that spiritual life that we can attain in Christ. Yeah. You know, there's also this was a short version. Sorry to cut you off. In Revelation, again, it's funny. John mentioned those scenes in the Gospel of John, but even in Revelation, it talks about the life giving water from the tree of life. Well, that's you you cut me off only to share the scripture I'd planned to share. So well done. (laughs) I was, (laughs) I had Revelation 22 pulled up here to uh, verse one to talk about how that, that, that water of life, it's, flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. Right. Uh, it's not just, you know, kind of casually flowing through heaven, but there, you know, it's sim- sim- whether it's symbolically or, or literally, the fact is it's coming from God. So That's right. And that, um, again, just reaffirms again over and over. And that's what is neat about studies like this to me is it really proves, at least in my opinion, you know, the inspiration of scriptures and really how, you see a theme connected and woven uh, all throughout time is just, um, it, it's pretty amazing. And it proves that yeah. God is the author and uh, made all this for us. Yeah. The, the talk about a pattern all through scriptures, 
you know, this was water in the middle of the desert that saved their life. And that's going to be repeated for those who maybe they're jotting down some notes about this. Write down um, Ezekiel chapter 47, beautiful uh, uh, symbolic picture where you've got water trickling out of the temple and that trickle turns into a, a stream, turns into a river, then it cuts into the desert and then the desert comes alive. And it's this beautiful idea that, that God's presence is now flowing out of the temple into this wasteland and bringing life where there was non-life. And it, it echoes a similar uh, story to the, the narrative that, that literally happened in Exodus where the water saved them. So it's all over the place. Yeah, yeah that's another good one. Now, um, the, the, the story... Um, maybe not story. I hate saying story because it makes it sound like it's not real. The narrative. How about that? The yeah. narrative in Exodus, it doesn't end there. Now, other things happen um, between the first time that, that water is miraculously uh, brought out of a rock. But then there's another time that water is brought out of a rock. And this the what happens the second time has some pretty dire consequences for Moses. So I guess Jared could could you first maybe help us understand what happens the second time around, but then also if you could take us a little bit deeper, can you help us understand why Moses got this consequence? Because as you you know I'm gonna give our our listeners kind of a things to be listening for. As they're listening to you explain the narrative, it's going to be easy to think, well, that was harsh. You know, did Moses really deserve that? So I guess on two levels, tell us what happens next, but then also explain to us why it had to happen this way. Sure. Um, like you're right, the same event almost repeats itself to a certain extent in Numbers chapter 20. In Numbers chapter 20, verses 1 through 13, the Bible says the children of Israel again are without water, and they again complain to Moses. So like I said, you're past Exodus 17, and this kind of comes back around. Well, God, this time, he instructs Moses and Aaron. He says, go to a rock. So there's a rock that he instructs them to go to. But this time he tells them to speak to the rock. He says, speak to the rock, and it will give out water. The Bible says that Moses uh, disobeys God. Instead of speaking, the Bible says he strikes it twice. And also the Bible says that Moses says, must we bring out water for you from this rock? And the Bible says, though, after Moses struck the rock, that water went ahead and came out. But immediately God expresses his displeasure. I mean, he tells Moses and Aaron, you're not going to the promised land. And like you said, that can initially on the surface come out pretty harsh. I mean, Moses had been a great leader and really had a close connection with God all the way through. And at this point, God tells Moses, you're not going to be able to inherit the promised land. Well, there's, I think, several things going on. You know, I've heard um, preachers attribute it to different things of what Moses' error was. I mean, I think first and foremost, number one, he disobeyed God. You know, God gave a command, and he didn't follow through with it. And so... That on the surface, so he, he disobeyed God and didn't follow through with God's instructions. God said, speak to it, and he struck it twice. 
Now, number two, the second thing, I've heard several people reference this, that uh, Moses um, took some of the credit from God. You know, Moses and Aaron said, must we bring forth water? Well, they didn't bring forth anything. You know, it was God that brought forth the water. They were just instruments, you know, being used from God. And so I could see that also, that that would be um, wrong, you know, for them to do. And uh, so that's the second way that, you know, Moses was in error there. But I think the third way, which after this study and thinking more about it, I think might be the biggest um, issue that God probably had with it was we've already studied this great parallel, this great representation, the picture that's drawn of, you know, in Exodus 17, that rock being struck and giving forth water was a picture of Christ uh, dying on the cross, being struck on our behalf, and all that accomplished for us. Well, when you get to this point, that picture gets distorted. Because, you know, Christ only died on the cross one time. That was a one-time event. And so Moses striking the rock should have just been a one-time event. When Moses went along and hit it two more times, it destroyed the picture that God was painting, which, of course, Moses couldn't have seen it. You know, he was uh, just living in the moment that time. This, you know, spanned several years, but God can see the full thing. You know, God can see the end from the beginning. And when Moses did that, it distorted this, and therefore God, you know, couldn't allow that to go unpunished. What, what what would you say is the picture that God had intended uh, that Moses ruined? So you said Moses ruined it by striking it a second time. If he had spoke to the rock, how would this have been a shadow of, of things to come and then Christ be the substance? Sure. And um, I'd actually heard this from somebody else, so I can't take complete credit for it, <laughs> but I, I think it's right. It's like I said, Christ was only crucified one time. You know, and so by hitting two more times, that distorts that. Well, the same thing with us, you know, for us to get into Christ, have our sins forgiven, we're baptized into Christ. That's a one-time event. From then on out, if we seek forgiveness, you know, the second law of pardon, we pray and ask for forgiveness. We speak to the rock. And I think that that was the picture overall that, uh, God was drawn really for the scheme of redemption. And when Moses uh, disobeyed, it, uh, like I said, it distorted it or ruined the painting that God had. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, yeah, it helps me better understand the substance that's Christ. Let, let me ask you a question. I might make you shoot from the hip. I guess I, I understand the three reasons you gave, but it seems like Moses was a pretty good guy. You know, he's a pretty good guy, and then he met, has this one flub. And coming at it from kind of a, a human perspective, it's like, could we not just let this one slide? You know, why? Why it seems like a very harsh punishment for this one discretion, whereas all the other times Moses is totally God's man, which I know I'm I'm kind of uh, fudging over some of the earlier parts of Moses' life where he didn't act in great faith. What what sort of response would you give to someone that says, seems like this is a very harsh uh, uh, judgment for just one indiscretion? That's a fair question. I know that um, Carl Johnson has a good lesson over Moses, and he talks about, you know, Moses not allowed 
to enter the promised land. And he says, if I was God, I would have let him in, you know, and uh, it's easy, I think, from our perspective to look at that. And I think that's a lesson in showing, though, of us maybe underestimating or not fully comprehending really the the holiness and righteousness of God and looking at it from the human perspective instead of maybe heavens and not um, mm-hmm. seeing it fully mm-hmm. from God's point of view. And I, I'm not saying that, you know, Moses was condemned to hell or I don't think anybody's believing that, but just God has boundaries and that uh, Moses, you know, um, has got to suffer consequences for it. And I think it can make us see that and uh, kind of realize fully all the attributes of God. He is a God of love, but he also, he also is a holy God and one that we are to respect and fear. Yeah. Oh, I love your response. I, I really think that uh, understanding that God is a righteous judge, and if we were the judge, we might slip people in who didn't deserve from a righteous standpoint to get into heaven, but we might have a personal connection with them, and thus we would taint heaven with sin, whereas God has a responsibility to be righteous to protect heaven and uh, righteousness from those who have transgressed the law. And the fact is, Moses, whether it's one time or a million times, Moses transgressed. And uh, yeah, who are we to try to uh, advocate for a transgressor to be on the right side of God's judgment? So, uh, yeah, to your point, God is righteous and, and Moses deserves whatever God has decided to give to him so it's a tough lesson though isn't it right it is and and i think um you can carry this further and really there's an application for us i think in all this of what moses error was and then seeing the whole you know the story from first Corinthians. well i say story but we've been talking about this whole episode um of the error that happened in numbers chapter 20 is really good lesson for all of us you know today that even though we can't maybe see the full picture or full understanding of God's requirements and the things that God's laid out, we just have the responsibility to obey it. And it's not up to us to make changes or alterations, you know, when it comes to our worship and service to the Lord. You know, all of the things that God has set in place are there for a reason. And whether we fully understand the meaning behind it, uh, which, you know, we should, but at the same time, even if we don't, we don't alter what God has set in place. You know, I have in my notes my very last statement from your study uh, that you gave in Cambodia. It says, follow God's patterns. They have deep significance to God. And I really like that phrase because whether or not it's significant to me is inconsequential. And I think when when worship and faith, etc. When all that becomes from all about me, then it loses what this is supposed to be, which is how these things were deeply significant to God. And so it seems like striking a rock is not that big of a deal, but it was very significant to God. And Moses ruined uh, a really good shadow and substance type and anti-type to, to show the spiritual rock of Christ. So if we're to model, uh, you know, this taking off of self and putting on Christ, then that means we're going to follow God's patterns because the patterns are significant to him, even when we don't understand it. So I love how you brought that out to our brethren 
and our listeners get it as well, um, that, that we got to be a people who follow those patterns. Sure. That's right. I mean, that um, put our faith and trust in him. And that's all that matters. You know, it doesn't necessarily matter what we think. It's, it matters what God thinks. And we follow that because there's deeper meaning and significance going on that maybe we even don't even realize on the surface. Well, brother, we've reached the end of the study, um, at least that I see it. Maybe we've missed something and you need, you need to correct me and, and, and make uh, another point. But if we're towards the end and you had a final thought, what would you like to say to kind of wrap this up? What studies like this do for me is it, um, I think you even said this at Cambodia, to, it helps motivate and encourage to study the Bible more. You know, when you start seeing these connections all the way through, it really, um, it's exciting and it makes you want to study more, want to read the Bible, want to learn more about the scriptures because that makes us learn more about God. It makes us learn more about Jesus. And we want to follow them and, um, you know, be pleasing and live for them. And studies like this, I think, are helpful uh, to see those connections and make us uh, fully appreciate God more and uh, the Bible. Amen. You know, I get, I still get goosebumps whenever I have one of those aha moments where you're studying and you just make a connection or maybe you you find a, a, a scripture that, that really goes along well with your daily Bible reading from another place. I love those aha moments. They really make a lot of it worthwhile whenever you're able to make those connections. So I appreciate that. Um, I, I hope that no matter how old we get, we still have those right. aha moments whenever we study the Word. Oh, for sure. I mean, the, the depth of the scriptures, I mean, is uh, unattainable to you know fully realize. And that's why we can... You, know, well, you see people can study the Bible forever and still just scratching the surface. Well, brother, I'm so thankful that you got to travel with me to Cambodia. I'm thankful uh, that people have got to experience just a little taste of that. And I'm thankful that we've had the chance to study the Bible together. So thank you for coming on the program. Hey, th- thank you so much, Jonathan. And I, I mean that a lot, really. I told somebody that this week. I might have been some of the Brethren Church, something like that. that um, without you and Wani, there's no way I could have done it. At all, really, and so I'm, I'm thankful for the invite, Jonathan, and I mean that. And I'm uh, thankful for the opportunity to get on the podcast. I was telling Janine and the kids, you know, hey, Doug is to be on a podcast tonight. It's uh, pretty cool. We listened to it in the car before. Now we can, uh, I get to be a part of that, and so it's pretty exciting. It's your, it's your 15 minutes of fame, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am indeed grateful for brother Jared and for the conversation we had. It was a great Bible study in Cambodia whenever I got to experience it as he preached it to uh, me and the brethren that were present during those studies. And it was really nice to get to dig a little bit deeper with him in this conversation. Jared is a very steady friend, great brother in Christ, great travel companion. And so I was honored for him to join me in Cambodia. And I hope that you felt blessed and honored to get to listen to him teach from the Bible. Great guy. And uh, Brother Jared, look forward to the future and the great works that you have in the Lord. So, everybody else, thank you for listening, and come back next week. We should have another interview lined up, ready to go. And until then, you can always go to the website, www.pureandsimplebible.com, to check out the content that's there. It's downloadable, and it's free. Until next week, always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. 